0: Welcome back to Generals and Napoleon, Episode 19, Marshal Victor, Duke of Belluno. Today we discuss the mercurial marshal known as Victor. His nickname was Beau Soleil, or Beautiful Sun in English. Some say this was a tongue-in-cheek mocking of his plump, cherub-like face. It was also said that he had a bright disposition, but was prone to fits of rage. Like his personality, his battle record was also unpredictable, with 10 wins and 11 losses. Still, when asked about his marshals individually, Napoleon reflected on Victor saying, quote, he was better than you might suppose, end quote. Claude Victor Perrin was born on December 7, 1764, in La Marche, France. His parents were Charles and Anne Marie. His father was a sergeant in the Royal Army. At 17, young Victor began his career as a volunteer in an artillery regiment. His military career started as a musician. It was said that he was either a drummer or a trumpeter. He spent the next 10 years as an enlisted man, learning the tricks of the trade from veterans around him. But after 10 years and having reached the maximum promotion level of sergeant, he left the army to become a grocer. That same year of 1791, Victor married his wife, Jean Josephine, with whom he had four children. But the life of a civilian didn't suit him, and Victor returned to the military life. His marriage to Jean-Josephine also didn't suit him and they were divorced in 1802. But getting back to his reenlistment, the army he left was a lot different than the army he joined. The French Revolution was in full swing and men were being promoted on merit all throughout France. The promotions based on privilege and wealth had gone out the window. Nine months after re-enlisting, Victor through determination and ability was commanding a battalion as a colonel. In 1793 at the critical siege of Toulon Victor's bravery won him a promotion to general of brigade and got him noticed by young Napoleon Bonaparte. Napoleon came off impressed with Victor's troops and their parade ground perfection. Napoleon and Victor worked the trenches together an assault on Toulon. Victor and his soldiers launched an assault on a few of the British redoubts, protecting the harbor in Toulon. After securing the redoubt known as Little Gibraltar, Victor and his men were subject to a massive counterattack, as the British knew how important that position was. From that position, Napoleon could move his cannons to unload shots upon the British Navy anchored in the harbor. Victor was wounded in the chest by a grape shot, but the victory on that position forced the British to depart, and the battle was won. In 1794, the new General Victor was dispatched to the Army of the Pyrenees in the war against Spain. He served under future Marshal Perignon, and his brigade fought in the battles of Balu and saint laurent de la Muga. Both were French victories. He also gained valuable experience in mountain warfare during the Spanish battles, and he was assigned to serve in the French army of Italy in 1795. The following year, Victor's old comrade Napoleon took over command of that army. Napoleon immediately put Victor's skills for organization and mountain warfare to use. Victor helped win battles at Rovererto, Mondovi, Rivoli, and finally Mantua. In this last battle, Victor and his troops were stubbornly courageous and ultimately compelled General Provera and his 7,000 Austrian troops to lay down their arms. His performance secured him a promotion to General of Division. Afterward, Victor received his first independent command in the 1797 invasion of the Papal States around Rome. Although the Papal troops were no match for the battle-hardened French army, Victor's gains and accomplishments pleased Napoleon. However, Victor did not accompany Napoleon on his expedition to Egypt. Instead, he served under General Moreau in Italy. In the disastrous 1799 battles against the Austrians and Russians. In the trek over the Alps in the year 1800, Victor helped General Long secure his victory in the Battle of Montebello. In the latter Battle of Marengo, Victor and his troops were at the forefront when they were somewhat surprised by the viciousness of the Austrian attack. The Austrian artillery also overwhelmed their French counterparts, and he and Lannes' corps had to pull back their troops. Luckily for the army and Napoleon, General Desaix and his division had marched to the sound of the cannon and retrieved the situation. The potential route turned into a long-shot victory for Napoleon, and Victor was rewarded with a saber of honor. The French Minister of War also gave Victor accommodation, saying, quote, Victor commanded the army's left at the Battle of Marengo, where he conducted himself with great bravery and intelligence, End quote. In 1803, Victor married for a second time to Julie Bosch van Avieset, who was the daughter of a Dutch admiral. In 1804, Victor was reportedly bitter about his name being absent from the original list of the 18 Marshals of the Empire. He had most of the prerequisites, friendly with Napoleon since his early years, success as an independent commander, great courage and survival skills, but for some reason his name was left off the list. Clearly the Emperor had some doubts about his old friend. In 1805, he was named ambassador to Denmark, but the restless and talkative Victor wished to be back at the front. In 1806, his wish was granted. He served as chief of staff to Lannes, one of his old Army of Italy buddies. Victor performed well at the victorious, pun intended, battles of Saalfeld and Jena. In January 1807, Napoleon rewarded him with command of the new 10th Corps of the Grand Armée. Victor quickly made Napoleon regret this appointment when he had the bad luck to be captured while out riding by an enemy patrol of Prussian cavalry. Napoleon usually required his senior commanders to be escorted by a company of elite cavalry troopers, usually 15 men in total. For whatever reason, Victor was out riding with only one aid when he was captured. Luckily for Victor, the emperor still held him in high regard and secured his release in a prisoner exchange. The exchange was made on February 20th, 1807 for the famous Prussian general Blücher. Which side got the better of this exchange is up for debate. Initially, it was the French as Victor was about to perform his best work on the battlefield at Friedland. Just before this epic battle, Marshal Bernadotte was on the hospital list, so Victor took over his command of First Corps. The battle started as Marshal Lannes used his small corps as bait for the Russian army under General Benningsen. hoping to secure a quick victory and crush Lannes before the rest of the French army arrived, Benningsen launched 50,000 men in a piecemeal attack. The attack could only occur in small waves because the Russians had to cross a river in the town of Friedland to reach the French. Lannes successfully beat off each attack against a Russian army that was three times the size of his corps until Napoleon arrived with reinforcements. Victor held the center of the line and his Chief of Artillery, General Saint-Armand, inflicted huge losses in the Russians by firing 30 cannons into their lines at case-shot range. The Russians eventually fled in disorder, and the victory was Napoleon's. After the battle, Victor received his Marshal's baton. This was significant within the Empire, as it was the first new Marshal since 1804, he was also rewarded with the royal title as Duke of Belluno, a town in northern Italy. Not bad for a soldier who spent 10 years in the ranks before receiving an officer's position. He was the embodiment of the phrase, quote, There is a marshal's baton in every soldier's kit bag. End quote. But again, he wanted more than he received as several of the other marshals had received titles based on their glorious battle victories. Marshal Dubu was Duke of Auerstadt. Marshal Lahn was Duke of Montebello. Victor had hoped his performances at Marengo or Friedland might be added to his name, but those massive victories belonged to the emperor himself. Victor's next assignment was in the Bloody Peninsula War against Spain, Portugal, and England. He was successful in his first encounter in late 1808 with the Spanish army defeating General Blake at the Battle of Espinosa. He then assisted Napoleon's full-scale invasion by pushing through the entrenched Spanish positions at Somosierra. But when Napoleon's eye wasn't overseeing him, Victor refused to serve under any other marshal and thus made coordination with Marshals Soult and Jordan very difficult. Another one of Victor's faults was he didn't prevent looting and turned a blind eye to inappropriate behavior. After the Battle of Euclis, where his corps crushed a Spanish army, his troops got out of control, sacked the city, killing dozens of civilians. Spanish monks were singled out and slaughtered for firing on French troops. Similarly, captured Spanish troops were marched back to the capital of Madrid, and those who couldn't keep up were summarily shot. In the March 1809 Battle of Medellin, Victor again destroyed a Spanish army suffering only 1,000 casualties, while the Spanish lost 10,000. Afterwards, Spanish prisoners were killed en masse. French undertakers claimed to have buried 16,000 Spanish soldiers in mass graves. Excesses like this caused the Spanish population to resist the French invasion with even more ferocity. Later that year, Victor met his match against the future Duke of Wellington. At the Battle of Talavera, Victor lost a close run battle against the British and their Spanish allies victor had started the battle with a night attack and then a massive artillery barrage causing heavy casualties amongst the british but king joseph and marshal Jourdan were on the scene and had overall command of the army so the french strategy was convoluted Jourdan cautioned against launching frontal infantry assaults against the british heeding napoleon's advice to joseph quote, as long as you attack good troops, like the English, in good positions, without reconnoitering them, you will lead your men to death. End quote. But the impatient Victor threw a fit and attacked regardless. The battle turned into a bloody stalemate after Victor's first two assaults were thrown back. Marshal Jordan advised against a third attack, but Victor remained adamant. Quote, if I don't succeed in one more shot, I ought to chuck soldiering." End quote. Not surprisingly, his third attack failed as well. King Joseph wisely refused Victor's request to throw in the last French reserve division. Both sides lost about 7,000 troops in the carnage. The French army withdrew, but the British and Spanish were in no condition to pursue. After that failure, Victor and his troops were sent south to assist Marshal Soult in the Siege of Cadiz. The siege lasted over two years and was unsuccessful due to the impressive walls around the peninsula city and its ability to be resupplied by sea. In an effort to break up the siege, a British-led division of 10,000 men approached the French lines. In March 1811, an Allied division of British and Spanish troops was attacked by two French divisions at the Battle of Barossa. Both sides suffered around 3,000 casualties until the French retreated. Although it was a tactical victory for the British, the Siege of Cadiz remained in place. The city was never to be taken. At both Talavera and Barossa, the English line formations had beaten back the formidable column formations of the French. This was another motif in the Napoleonic Wars. Napoleon and his marshals usually formed his men into attack columns as they were easier to control. Imagine a brick of men in rows of 20 each, assaulting an equal number of British soldiers, but spread out into two or three rows of a giant line. Because every single British musket was fully deployed, they could concentrate all firepower in a lethal fashion. The French columns didn't usually have time to deploy into line and were thus decimated by the huge British volleys. Against other opponents like the Austrians and Prussians, these waves of French assault columns were usually enough to intimidate and overpower their enemies but they weren't as effective against the British. Getting back to Marshal Victor, after three years in Spain, he was finally recalled in 1812 to prepare for the epic Russian campaign. He was assigned to a reserve corps covering Napoleon's supplies and lines of communication in Smolensk. Although not a glorious posting, his corps was spared the horrors of the Borodino battle and most of the retreat from Moscow. Napoleon beckoned him to support his dangerous crossing of the Berezina River, and Victor had a return to form. He was heroic in his defense of the retreating French army. He organized and maneuvered his men well, who were outnumbered almost five to one. Victor also implemented some tactics he learned from the British, including the use of reverse slope to hide his full troop numbers from the enemy. The efforts of Victor and Marshal Udeno's reserve troops truly saved Napoleon from the onslaught of the Russian army. In the Germany campaigns of 1813, Victor performed decently enough, especially at the Battle of Dresden. But his stubborn will seemed to break after Napoleon's huge loss at the Battle of Leipzig. He was one of the droopy-plumed marshals that stayed by Napoleon's side but hoped he would make peace soon. Victor's performance in the 1814 invasion of France was best summed up by Napoleon, saying, quote, "The Duke of Belluno's conduct has been dreadful." End quote. Victor's enthusiasm for war was further diminished when his son-in-law, General Chateau, was killed right before his eyes. The next day, at the Battle of Montéreau, he fell into disgrace with his emperor. First, he was late bringing up his troops to the front. Then, he neglected to hold a bridge over the Seine River. Napoleon was furious and relieved him of command of his corps and told him to leave the army. But, the tearful marshal refused to go, saying, No, sire, I will not leave the service. Victor was once a grenadier, and he has not forgotten how to shoulder a musket. I will again take my place in the ranks. Impressed by his emotion, the Emperor relented, saying, Well, Victor, remain with us. I cannot restore you to your corps, which I have bestowed on Gerard, but I will give you two brigades of my guard. However, the Marshal did not occupy his new position long for he was severely wounded a few days later and forced to retire home. After Napoleon's first abdication, Victor welcomed back the royals under King Louis XVIII. When Napoleon escaped Elba and regained power, his old friend Victor did not support him. Instead, he accompanied his fleeing king across the border out of France. Napoleon struck him off the list of marshals but compassionately granted him a retirement pension. His stubborn loyalty to his new king impressed the royals. The next role was a despicable one, even by Victor's low moral standards. He was assigned by the king to round up all disloyal Bonapartist officers in the army and have them arrested or discharged. He performed this role with gusto and seemingly enjoyed the power to kick his old comrades out of the army and deprive them of their pensions. He also voted for the death sentence in the trial of Marshal Ney, one of the bravest men that served with him in Russia. He was showered with rewards by the royals and served in several capacities, including Major General of the Royal Guard and Minister of War. It seemed Victor's driving force was to prove to everyone that he was far more important than he really was. In 1830, he officially retired to his estate. His second wife, Julie, died the following year in 1831. When Napoleon's remains were returned from St. Helena to France, Victor avoided the funeral of his old emperor. He probably would say that he was being loyal to the Bourbons but more likely he didn't want to run into any of his old army comrades that he had purged after Napoleon's downfall. The stubborn Marshal Victor finally passed away on March 1st, 1841. In reviewing Victor's career, he could organize and instruct troops well and knew how to place his artillery for maximum effect. He served Napoleon on many fronts, but usually made a mess of things when commanding independently. His performance in Italy and Russia were solid, but his work in Spain and in the defense of France were mediocre at best. He had few friends amongst his brother marshals other than Marshal law. He frequently blamed his subordinates for his mistakes and allowed troops to loot and pillage civilians, even in France. His post Napoleonic conduct in convicting Ney and then chasing down and cashiering Bonapartist officers saddles Victor with an odious overall legacy. I think we will wrap up on this point. Join us again next time when we discuss another controversial character, Marshal Augereau. Thanks for listening.